<clears throat> whether we like it or not, we, uh, we need each other this morning. You know, I was uh, joking around with Kent. He was here. Uh, he had slipped out to go to Carthage. And I was joking with him that, you know, as much as we kid around and we give each other a really hard time, you know, we both need each other. And uh, it's no different with us here this morning. You know, the Lord has, uh, I believe that the Lord has orchestrated and he has pieced together every single person that's in this room here this morning. And we all have, you know, we all have a story. We all have a need. We all have uh, something to bring to the table. And uh, we're pieced together uh, to be one and, and, and to be united and, and to be uh, the church that God called us to be. And to me, uh, a picture of the church, and I'll refer to this later, is, uh, is the scripture, uh, just as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And that's kind of where the, the direction that we're going to head this morning. But this is like, this is like kind of a, a part two of, of last week, but it's kind of like, kind of like the Rocky movies. You know, they, they had Rocky one, two, three, four, and all this stuff. And then, then they came out with Creed, which is part of the Rocky movie, but it's a completely different story. Maybe you guys don't watch Rocky. I don't, I don't know, but okay. We got one that, that got my joke, but it, it's kind of like, it's in the same scene, but it's kind of a different story. All right. And so we're going to kind of roll into that, but we, uh, oh yeah, I think Creed was better too, um, I'll be honest. But we live in a, uh, in a world of, of what ifs, I think. And that's kind of where we're going to get started here this morning. We live in a world of what ifs. And like, for instance, if you're uh, 19 and you want to go to Liberia and you go to your mother and you say, hey, I want to go to Liberia. Well, and she says, well, what if you don't come back? Um, or... You know, there's, there's just a, there's a million of them. It can be, you know, like, for instance, I have car insurance on my car because if I drive out of here and, and you know, Daniel's a bad driver and he smashes into my truck, what am I going to do? And uh, so we have a lot of different, different things. I like to pick on Daniel. I don't know why. I love Daniel. And uh, we have all these different things, you know, or for instance, you know, well, what if I have a a duck flying through the air that I'm going to shoot. Well, I'm going to need to buy a shotgun. What if I have a deer at 100, 100 yards? I'm going to need a rifle for that. What if I have a deer at 1,000 yards? I'm going to need a different rifle for that. You know, what if? You know, what if I got these different scenarios? You know, we use it to justify things all the time, to make decisions and, and do all kinds of stuff, and it can be a ton of different things. You know, moms are, are really good at what ifs. At least mine, mine was. And... Uh, I'm going to challenge you this morning with a what if question, and that is, what if the church was really the church that God called us to be? What if we really believe that Jesus is who he says he is? What if we really believed the promises of God, you know, but, but what if, you know, what, what if we got our heart right with the Lord? What, what would that look like? But to me, there are, uh, there's, my example today is there's two types of people. There's sleepers and there's dreamers. And a sleeper is always going to say, I wish. I wish. Because a lot of times we get to the, later in life or you get to the end of your life and a sleeper is going to say, man, I wish that I would have got my heart right with the Lord sooner. Or maybe you leave church today and you say, man, I wish that I would have opened up about the, uh, the situation in my life and ask for someone to stand with me in prayer. Man, I wish that I would have done this 
man, I wish that I would have done that. Whereas uh, maybe a, a dreamer would say, what if? What if this morning we took this opportunity right here and right now to get our heart right with the Lord and be the people that God called us to be, to be the church that God created us to be and, and figure out the reason that every single one of us are pieced here together. Because what I thought was beautiful is, you know, like the, the praise team, man, they were up here and they were, they were declaring God's goodness by the songs they were singing. And then Joel gives testimony. Then Nick stands up and gives testimony. And then Kathy and Norma give up and give a testimony about how good God is through their song. And then I'm here this morning telling you, hey man, let's get this figured out. You know, we're all here to share a story. We're all here to be, to be one body and to be one cord. And God created us and put us all here for, for a very reason. But whatever your, your thing is, you know, there's the dreamers and there's the sleepers. But to me, a, a dreamer is, is focused on what if I take this opportunity? What if I step out in faith? What's going to happen? Can, can I do it? And, and it kind of puts the perspective on, you know, I was also picking on Gary this morning. I said, it doesn't matter if you're 107 like Gary is or you're 22 like me. You know, if we're all sitting here or standing here, breathing the breath that Nick was talking about, that every breath that we take was given to us directly from God, that it's his breath that's in our lungs. If we realize that this morning, we would realize that he has us here breathing for some very important reason. And whatever that is, I, I can't tell you, but we're going to dig into this a little bit deeper today. And, and I want us to get that, that way of thinking. But the reason that I bring all this up is I have a question. Do you think that the church of today is the church that God created us to be? If your answer is no, I want you to raise your hand. If your answer is yes, now I want you to raise your hand. Anybody? We got one. We got Roger. Hang in there, buddy. And so the, the popular opinion this morning is that the church is not who God created us to be. Well, and let me ask you this. Why? Well, why aren't we? Well, why aren't we the, God that, that, or the church that God created us to be? What, what's different? What's, what's keeping us from, from being that church? What's keeping us from being that person who sold out for Christ? And so let me just give you a... Uh, Maybe a little comparison uh, example. We'll go to Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And uh, I'm going to read this to you this morning, and we'll kind of get, get going into this. But it says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, and to the sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and their possessions and shared money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Some translations read that there was not a single needy person among them. That's, that's pretty crazy. And so if we, if we what I like to do with, with the word is you look at it and you say, okay, here's the word and here's me. How do they line up? So here's the church. Here's today's church. How do they line up? 
And if they don't line up perfectly, then, then, then what's keeping them from lining up? What, what things are, are hindering the church? What, what things are keeping it from, from being who God created it to be? What's, what's keeping this, uh, I'm going to just blanket statement and call it revival, but what's keeping this from happening? They went from, from a family of believers to what the church is today. And, and, and what's, what's, what's separating us? And I think there's probably a number of different things and reasons of, of why maybe we're not the church that God called us to be. But do you realize this morning that it is possible to be a church that is pleasing to God? It is possible to be a church that God is pleased with. And I think about all of the... Uh, the seven letters to the churches, you know, we, as we're thinking about this, you know, we think about is church what it should be. I think of the seven letters to the seven churches in Revelation. You can read them in, in Revelation 2 and 3. And there's, you know, several different examples of what churches are going through. But to me, that's the first place that I go to look at to see, okay, are, are we being who God called us to be? And as we look through there, there's a bunch of churches that got it wrong. But there was a few who got it right. And the ones that got it right, Jesus is saying to the church, he says, hang on to what you have. You love me. You're set apart for me. Man, keep doing exactly what you're doing. But there was a whole lot more churches that he said, hey, you're lukewarm. I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. You've lost your first love for me. You've all, all this stuff, you've wandered away. You've got all this, this different stuff in, in the church. Well, where did this come from, you know? And if you don't change, I'm going to remove your lampstand. And so it, it, it's kind of interesting to me, but that's kind of where I go uh, to, to look at that. But I think it's important to realize this morning that it is possible. It is possible for us to be a church today that Christ is pleased with that he is happy with, that he loves, that he's passionate about. And, and I think something has been, been lost a- along the way, it maybe even in recent years, where we think that since you know, we don't have it all together or whatever, that you know, we can never get it right, but thank God for his grace. And even though that I have all this crud in my life, I'm going to go before the judgment seat. But you realize what what Jesus says that he's going to say to the people that he brings into heaven? He's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. He's going to say, well done. And if Jesus is, is willing to say, well done to someone, that means that right here and right now today, that those that he's going to say, well done to, he is pleased with. And it's not something that, that one day whenever we go to heaven that, you know, that we'll be made perfect and all this different stuff. Yeah, that's, that's, that's part of it. But the thing is, is that right here, right now, today, those who he's going to say well done to are people that he's pleased with right now. And it's the same thing uh, with, with the church. There is churches that, that he is going to call out and he's going to rebuke and say, how, how far have you fallen? But there's also churches that he's going to say, well done. Hang on to what you have. And, and so I, I think it's easy for us to get caught up. And, you know, when we think of the church, man, we think of, you know, it may be you're thinking of the Methodist system. 
So maybe you're thinking of all these churches who are struggling with homosexuality and all this different stuff, or, or maybe, you know, it's different. It's a different struggle to me, and one we're going to talk about today is I think that discord is, is destroying churches. And, but there's, there's all these things that, that are in the way, and we think about, you know, well, if I have to take into consideration all the churches across the world, you know, there's churches struggling with this, and there's people struggling with that, and, and you know, we can just never get it perfect, and it, and it puts it out of reach. But the truth is, here this morning, is that the church that Oakton is going to be responsible for is Oakton. Whenever you go before the judgment seat of Christ, you know, God's not going to bring up you know, everyone's life in here and say, okay, Landon, we're, we had all these people that you talked to in your life and there's all these people that I created and this is how they did. So we're going to take all the numbers and we're going to divide by two and we're going to figure out the average and we're going to write you down as, as for the average. No, he's going to bring up the things that are in my life. He's going to talk about, you know, hey, you know, where you missed it here or, or, you know, you did this really well and I'm proud of you and all this different stuff. You know, he's going to bring up our life. And it's the same with the church. Whenever he's writing these seven letters to seven churches, he, he's writing to a church like Oakton. He's writing to, to this church and saying, this is the things that you're struggling with. And, and it's not that we, yes, we're, we're, whenever we have our head on and stuff, and I would hope that, you know, we would go and help other churches and, and make sure that they're uh, still proclaiming Christ and loving Christ. Like, and, and if we were in the wrong, I would hope that, you know, um, a church would, would come to us and say, hey, you guys are, are, are wrong. You're wandering away from, from God's word and, and this stuff. And I, and I would hope that that would be the case. But what I want you to understand is that Somehow holiness has, has become something that feels out of reach. We think, I, and I don't know if it's the, the religion and relationship narrative where something, you know, we just think, well, I'm never going to get it right, but Jesus wants to have a relationship with me and I can get all this crud out of the way. And even if I have all this stuff in my life, he still loves me and is still going to forgive me, which I, I agree that the relationship is, is the whole focal point of everything that Christ has done. But there's something sacred that's lost. That Jesus is the high priest and that I am his servant. You know, it's not that Jesus is, is my slave. You know, he's the high priest. And he is to be honored and he is to be glorified and he is to be served. And, and, but something, something is lost. But it's easy to think that in, in all of these things that the church is too far gone, that just like everyone agreed in here this morning, that we're not the church that God created us to be. And, and, but the question I want to ask you today is why aren't we? You know, why, why aren't we that church? And I think sometimes that we think that like the problem is, is too far and it's too big to tackle. But the thing is, is that all we need to be focused on is, is right here at Oakton. How, how are we doing? If Christ was going to write a letter to Oakton Church this morning, what would he say? 
if he was going to write a letter to churches all across the world like he did in Revelation, what, what would be in it? Would it be, hang on to what you have? Or would it be, man, how, how far have you fallen? How, what, what's in the way? And it's just, I don't know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where I really do believe that the church is supposed to be the scripture that I was talking about of just as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. But I'll tell you this morning that just as, as one man can sharpen another man, another man can dull another man just as easily. And if we are the wrong atmosphere, if we're not a tight-knit family and we're causing division and we're causing problems, then, then man, all we're doing is dulling each other. And it, but it's the same. You can either sharpen someone or you can dull someone. But we're supposed to be a family of believers who, who gather together and, and are just encouraged and uplifted whenever we come in here. But we, we, we make it all of these, all of these crazy things. And, but whenever I'm, you know, whenever I'm having a, a tough time, I should be able to go to Gary and say, Gary, dude, I'm struggling. I'm having a rough time. And, and, and I need to pray through this. Or literally in, in the early church, they would bring up and say, hey, I'm struggling with this. This sin is in my life and I can't get rid of it. Would you help me? People today aren't that vulnerable. We aren't that willing to say, hey, this is, this is my struggle. Can you help me? I, I need to get through it and I can't get through it on my own. And the thing that I think is lost is, is the fact that, that we aren't knit. We, we, we aren't one. And to me, I, uh, I, I'm going to talk about discord for a little bit because it's, it's an example. But I think it's an example that, that needs to be shared here. And there, there can be uh, a lot of things that are, that are why we aren't the church that God created us to be. But I'm going to bring this one up. And I think discord is something that, um, like we think about, you know, if I had a problem with my dad, we have discord, right? But I also think that discord can be a lack of unity. Being disconnected isn't just me having a problem with somebody else, but it's also a lack of, of being one. It's a lack of, of that connection. And, and, and we're going to read a scripture here in a minute. If you want to go ahead and turn to it, it's in 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, we're going to read that one uh, here today. But a scripture in, in Mark that just I can't help but, but think about is, is a house that's divided will not stand. And if, if there's discord, if, if we're not all connected as one, then man, this house isn't going to stand. And sometimes I really think that Satan does a better job of being united with all of his demons and everything that he's got to torment us. He does a better job of being unified than we do. And that's the only reason that his house is still standing. This principle of a house that's divided will not stand. Is, it doesn't matter what it applies to. 
can apply to a workplace. It can apply to anything. A house that's divided will not stand. But as I, as I read this scripture uh, this morning, this is, this is an example. And uh, so we'll just, we'll just read it. How about that? In 1 Corinthians 12, 12, it says, The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we all have been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. And if an ear says, I am not part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each of us together where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but one body. The ear can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem the weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while more honorable parts do not require the special care. So God put together such an extra honor and care given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. You know, we we have a a lot of different parts, but in in the same picture... If we aren't all knitted together so close without discord, we can't function. And and a lot of times there's uh, there's teaching out there that you know that you know you want to be a teacher or you want to be this or you want to be that. But sometimes we get so focused on being a hand that we forget to be a part of the body. And if and if my hand isn't disconnected to my body, what good's it going to do? And it's, it's kind of one of those things where the, how unified that you have to be to be actually of one body, it says to be of one mind and of one cord. For a church to really be that tight-knit, we have to be connected together. And it's not just discord, like having problems with each other that, that keeps us apart, but it's, it's a lack of unity that also keeps us from being together. You know, we focus so much on on being a finger or a toe or a leg that, that we forget to be part of the body. You know, if, if Kent's one leg and I'm the other leg and we're both running in different directions, I'm going to do the splits and I'm going to have a problem. I'm not very flexible. And the body's the same way. If, if we're all going in different directions and, and we're all moving in different ways, man, we're going to get hurt. And it's, it's the body that suffers. And, and, it's just something that, that we're going to have to understand. To, to really get that tight-knit means, you know, caring enough 
to love on people and to and to meet people and to and to be willing to step out of your comfort zone. But also, I think one of the biggest problems is, is this: we get so caught up in being a hand and being a foot and being an arm that whenever, like last night, had I fallen out of my tree stand, my body, I'm going to do things to make sure that my vital organs are okay. I'm going to use everything I can to make sure that my heart doesn't get a stick stuck through it whenever I fall, right? I'm going to make sure that I don't hit my head on a rock on the way down. I'm going to make sure these parts are okay, even if it means breaking my arm or breaking my leg or doing whatever else to, to make that happen. But the problem with today is, is that, you know, you see, a lot of times you see like, you know, church leaders fall or you see people fall and, and struggle with stuff and but instead of, you know, the, the body embracing it and protecting them and, and keeping them mended and whole, we just say, well, I'm not a heart, so why, I'm a hand, so why would I keep the stick from running through the heart? And you see, you know, pastors who are struggling with stuff and, and they're having a tough time and instead of them being embraced and uplifted, man, they get ripped and just left hanging. But the thing is, if I'm running a piece of wood through a saw and my finger is getting ready to go through that saw, my brain and the rest of my body ought to tell that finger, hey, bud, you better get out of the way or you're about to get chopped off. And it's no different. But to be of, of one mind and one cord means that, that we care for each other so much that, that we're willing to take a few blows to make sure that each other stay tight-knit and we stay connected to the body and we stay in our relationship with Christ. And a lot of times that scripture is used for spiritual gifts, which, you know, it talks about and talks about apostles and teachers and all this different stuff. And, and yes, it's in the context of that. But if you really realized how, how deep that is to be of one body, to be of one mind, my, my hand knows what my brain's thinking. Does that make sense? I, my, my whole body knows if the other part's feeling pain. My, my, the rest of my body still feels what my toes feeling whenever I stub it on the coffee table. You know, it's, it, it's, it's of one mind and of one cord. And for us to be united together. But a lot of times in, in church, man, we, we want a move of God. We want healing. We want tongues. We want prophecy. We want revival. We want these things. And I'll tell you this morning that not one of them will come to pass until if we're discord, if we're in discord. We have to be unified in order to see the things that we see in Acts. All the time we talk about, man, I want to see someone paralyzed, healed. I want to see all this stuff happen. But it's not going to happen until we become one. Become one body. This Oakton Church this place is supposed to be a representation to the world of what God looks like in, in the kingdom of heaven. This is supposed to be a little part of heaven here in Oakton, Missouri. We're all citizens of heaven, right? If you're a citizen of heaven, your citizenship does not change based on where you are. If I'm an American and I'm in Liberia, I'm still an American. I'm not a Liberian. And it's the same with us here today. If your citizenship is in heaven, if you're, if you're one with Christ and you've given your life to him, you have become a citizen of heaven. 
And the point of, of church is for all of us citizens of heaven to meet together and to be refreshed, to be restored, to be pushed forward to the things of Christ. To sharpen each other. But if we're not unified and there's discord, that's never going to happen. But we should be a representation to the world of what Christ looks like. And the thing is, is that it's, it's 100% obtainable. It's, it's possible to be a church that's pleasing to God. But church started as a, as a community. It started as a family of believers who were meeting together. And they were so tight-knit that they were enjoying the Lord, that they were remembering their salvation, that they were remembering how good God is. And as they were excited and they were together and they were unified, whenever they went out in the street, it was easy. Like, hey, come, come, come join this family. You know, come, come, come be with us. Come enjoy the Lord. I, we want this relationship to be restored for you. But you know, it's kind of like, <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, whenever I'm trying to, when I was bringing Taylor home to our family for the first time, it's like, I don't know if I want her to meet these weird people. You know what I mean? But whenever we're out in the street, man, I feel like that's, that's what we feel like. We, we're bringing people in and we're like, I don't know if I want them to meet these people. I don't know if I want them to see our messed up family. But that's, that's it. If we, again, can be a family of believers who meet together and bear with each other through everything, man, people will come pouring in here because that's exactly what they're looking for. But the point of it all was to be that family that's knitted together because of Christ. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick on my hospitality team this morning because I love them. And uh, they, can, they can take it. But uh, do you think that in the early church that they had a hospitality team? I didn't see it anywhere in scripture. That they had a hospitality team or... Or they had a, a care team who visits people, you know, in the hospital and that kind of stuff. I, I don't see that written anywhere. But they're good things, right? People should feel welcome. People should feel cared for. But in the early church, it took care of itself. Because, like, for instance, I'll just tell you a story. My, my buddy Caleb, man, he's had, a, uh, he's had a rough year. And a little less than a year ago... He, uh, he started having seizures. I mean, uncontrollably, just started having seizures. And it, really, it was only by the grace of God that he didn't have one while he was driving. And uh, he was going through a tough time, and he actually ended up at the uh, neurological center in Springfield at Mercy. And uh, Caleb was the best man in my wedding, one of my best friends. And uh, one of my other best friends, Logan, we decided that we were going to go up and uh, we were going to go visit him because he's, you know, he's one of us. If, if, if Caleb's having trouble, man, we're right there with him. And we wanted to go up there and make sure that he knew that even though that he was in a hospital in Springfield, man, that he's not alone and that we're going to fight this fight with him and whatever that means. But the things that doctors were speaking over him, they were seeing something in his brain and they were talking about how it could be cancer. It could be all this different stuff. You know, of course, freaking him out, and, uh, you know, we went through that, but Logan and I decided, we're going to go up and see him, let him know that, you know, we're here for him, 
we went up there and met with him and prayed with him. And, you know, I'm not telling you today that he was, you know, healed on the spot or anything like that. We just kept letting him know that we're there and kept praying and kept, you know, doing all these things. And, and today, all the stuff the doctors were speaking over him isn't in existence. He doesn't have cancer. He doesn't have a tumor. He doesn't have any of these things that they're saying that he, he had. And, and, and I'm not telling you today that, uh, like I said, that he was just healed on the spot or whatever, but me, Logan, and Caleb had church. We were, we were of one body. We were of one cord. And, and when Caleb was struggling, man, we were struggling. And we felt it with him. And, man, we were unified. And he's going to school at the University of Arkansas. He was sitting in a tree stand the other night, which they told him he would never be able to do again in his life. Because if he had a seizure, he'd fall out and he'd die. He's, he's driving. He doesn't have seizures anymore. And it's... It's something as, as simple as that. But, that. but that's the point. You know, we, we wouldn't have to have care teams. We wouldn't have to have hospitality teams if this was really a family who, who was uh, hungry and loved each other and was excited. And if someone new walked in, every person in here would shake their hand and be like, hey, it was really good to see you today. You know, we would be excited. We would be encouraged. We would be uplifted. And all of this stuff that we do that's manufactured, man, it would take care of itself. You know, we bear each other's burdens. And we do it whenever we know somebody. But man, if we don't know somebody, it's kind of hard to bear with their burdens with them. It's kind of hard to be there for them. You know what I mean? And some of it is from, you know, discord of, of frustration. But I think more than that, it's, it, it's just a lack of unity. And it's... It's not just Oakton, but the thing is, is that it's, it's destroying churches all across America. You know, if you, if you want to have a good church service today, they'll tell you, you know, you got to have, uh, you know, you got to have the right lighting. You got to have uh, the right music to sing. Got to have uh, this different stuff. You got to have a pallet wall behind the stage. Um, you got to have all these different things. But the truth is, is that church didn't start that way. And it isn't that way. But it's the same thing that we're talking about last week. Whenever we have to look back and remember where it started. Where did your relationship with God start? It started with you giving your life to him. And it's the same way with the church. The only way that we're going to get past all the junk that we're talking about and we're going to be the church that God called us to be is if we look back to where it all started and we start being that church again. But we have to forget all of this other stuff, all this stuff that's in the way. That The thing is, is that it's, I was telling Nick that I have a meme in my mind and it's the guy holding the, the bottle that says hard to swallow pills. And it says, sin is keeping you from God. Because, and that's the thing, is that whenever our relationship with God was perfect, it was in the Garden of Eden and there was no sin. That's the root of it all. And if we can get that crud out, we're going to experience God. But there's all of these things that are in the way, and we can think on a, on a big picture, it's going to be really hard to get us to where we're a church that God is pleased with. But what I'm telling you this morning is that it is 100% possible. It is possible. 
But anything that's keeping us from God has to be ripped out, burned, thrown out of the way. And I guess the, the point is, is that are we willing to be that church? Are we willing to be those people that are willing to get rid of all of the stuff that's keeping us from God? But in order to be the church that God wants us to be, man, we got to get rid of it. And I want you to think about this morning, all of these things. And, and before I move on, um, do you want to pop up a couple of those scriptures that I had? These are just a few um, about discord that I just wanted to kind of throw out there too to show you how, how important this really is. Uh, go back to that first one in Proverbs. Thank you. Uh, there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. Uh, next one, please. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. And then the next one, please. If a house is divided among itself, it's a house that cannot stand. And I'm going to read one more to you. And it's in Philippians chapter 2. Verse 2 says, Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and one purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of all others better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as some, something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave, and he was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the highest place of honor and gave him the name that is above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. To be unified to be connected, to be one. And just as Christ was willing to put himself out there and sacrifice himself and, and for the church, we are to be a church that, that carries the same character, that, that loves in the same way that he loved, that's willing to go the distance that he was willing to go. But in order for, for any of this to work, we have to be a family again. We have to bear with each other. We have to be willing to sacrifice what Jesus was willing to sacrifice. If we are the bride of Christ, if we are this bride, what kind of bride is he waiting for? You get what I mean? Daniel was waiting for a beautiful rose walking down the aisle. 
He wasn't waiting for, you know, her in a Halloween costume or something. You know what I mean? He's waiting for a perfect bride. And Jesus is waiting for his perfect bride. And if we really aren't, like we agreed earlier, if we agreed that we aren't the church that God has called us to be, man, why aren't we? What's keeping us? So if the, if the praise team wants to go ahead and come up, I'm going to leave you with this thought. What is it? I mean, we, we started this with the uh, what if statements. So what if? What if we really were the church that God called us to be? What would that look like? How would it be different? And what, what do we need to do to get there? And, and honestly, you may have to think about this for a little bit. There may be some obvious things, but there's also probably some deeper things. And if you don't think that Christ is pleased with the way that you're living today, then, then man, what's keeping you from being there? What's in the way? And I can't get this picture out of my mind, but I can just picture Christ writing a letter to Oakton and it being in the mail and Kent getting up here and and reading this letter, his letter to Oakton Church, what's it going to say? Is it going to say, hang on to what you have. I'm proud of you. Keep going. Keep pushing. Keep loving me. And keep doing exactly what you're doing. Or is it going to be like one of them that says, you're neither hot nor cold. And because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Which, which is it going to be? You know, there's, there's a million different examples in there. But, but what is Christ going to say about his bride? What's he going to say about the church? Are we hot? Are we cold? Do we love him like we did at first? Do we, do we serve him like we should? Because it, it's not about what's going on at, at James River. It's not about what's going on at First Baptist in Lamar. It's not going about what's going on in wherever it's about what's going on right here. The only way that we can get to this place that is a church that Christ is pleased with if we deal with it in-house first. It's got to be here first. And once we get all this stuff out of the way, man, I want that letter to say, well done. Keep doing what you're doing. Whenever I go before the judgment seat of Christ, I really want him to say, well done, my good and faithful servant, not I never knew you. Get away from me. Do you get what I'm saying? And, and it's the same. And I, and I want to leave you with, with this one last scripture. It's in 1 Peter 2.9. It's one of my favorite passages of scripture. It says this. But for you are not like that. For you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. A holy nation. God's very own special possession. And as a result... You can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you had received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from the worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors, that even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God on the day he judges the world. That's it. Be a royal priest. Be, 
be a holy nation. Let's be a people that are 100% set apart. And if we're not doing that, then man, what's the point? What's the point? So as we, as we close and the praise team starts to play, I just want you to think about these things. And I don't know where you're at. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's stuff that you're thinking, man, I need to get that out of my life. Or maybe we need to do this as a church or whatever. But the altars are open. Man, just look at the word of God. And look at your life. And if the two don't line up, what's in the, what's in the way? And whatever's in the way, throw it out. It, it's that simple. Just get rid of it. So, and you know, you're welcome to come pray. But let's be unified. You see someone up here praying? Man, come pray for them. Let's step out. Let's be bold. Let's be a church. Let's be a family.